I tell you guys, I don't know what to think about this. This podcast we're doing right here. My name is Kyle. I'm with my buddy, partner in crime, Greg. I know you're super excited. I know I am as well. Sports has become so nauseating now for various reasons. And I was talking to you, Greg, a few weeks ago, actually almost over a year ago, about the nature of sports. And we just got fed up with it. We wanted to do something about it. And so here we are it with this new podcast. What are your thoughts about the whole thing, Greg, we're going to do? Are you nervous? Are you ready for this? What do you think? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. I'm super excited about it. I know that you and I, we've known each other probably about 20 years, and we've talked about various topics, but sports seems to be the one uh, that you and I can uh, discuss uh, for hours and hours talking about the various topics involving sports. And the thing about sports is it's it's such a, a unique phenomenon where it can be uh, unifying, it can be divisive, it evokes a lot of passion a lot of uh, out of a lot of people. And it it's the gift that keeps on giving as far as uh, water cooler type discussions and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to discussing not only uh, topics of the day regarding sports, but uh, comparing past and present and even how sports uh, reaches out to uh, influence uh, other areas of our lives and in society. So, yeah, I'm super excited about this and I can't wait to get started. Me too, Greg. And I think you and I both, we both um, involved in sports in many different ways. But as men, I think part of it is an outlet really to just express ourselves in a physical competitive way. And what I'm seeing, and I'm pretty much you're in agreement with this as well, that this particular environment we live in is kind of suppressing a lot of that masculinity, a lot of that competition, a lot of that smash mouth aspect, especially when it comes to physical sports like football and hockey and even basketball. It was a pretty physical game back in the day. And when we think about that, we think about that aspect of it in terms of just competitive masculinity that's kind of being pushed aside now for, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, I think it's, Unfortunate. I think it's it's natural. I, I believe that, you know, the competitive part of the game to me is what you miss most when you stop playing the game. And I think as fans, we like to see a competitive physical struggle uh, between two teams. And you want to see all the nuances and aspects of that particular game. And when you remove uh, the aggression, when you remove or try to legislate uh, the violence and the collisions and all of that out of these different sports, I mean, what are you left with? And uh, I hope uh, everybody will understand that I'm not advocating guys getting hurt or anything else like that. But I think that having a very aggressive competitive uh, games and competitions uh, to me is healthy. That's, that's what the fans want to see. And as athletes, that's what we want. Right. So um, it's disappointing that uh, different, different leagues are uh, trying to take a lot of the physical aspects out of the sport. Uh, I think that takes away uh, 
from the games in general. But I mean, unfortunately, that's that's you know the road we're going down now. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, clear heads will prevail on this, and perhaps uh, some of these things can be reintroduced. But I, I really don't know about that. I, I think this is a trend that we'll continue to see. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. I'm hoping that at some point in time that it would get so bad that people will say, enough's enough, let's get back into that physical aspect because that is what makes the game exciting, thriving, and we'll get into analytics at some point down the road, but also into, I, I mean that in, in the sense like this, for instance, like football. If you can run the ball three yards a a, 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 um, a down, then all of a sudden that puts a lot of that puts a lot of pressure on your defense, and that's just a fundamental thing. There's nothing fancy about running the ball. You block, you don't fumble, and you push forward, and you are stronger, and you push your will on someone else to get those three yards every single time. It's not very fun, you know, in terms of a spectator standpoint if you're just looking at it from outside in but it is effective and it wins games so what i'm trying to say here is that hopefully all this nuance i'm talking about football here particularly but this also applies to basketball in other areas too that coaches and fans will say you know what? i'd rather win ugly than have all this finesse and high scoring offenses and lose you know so I'm hoping that that's what, that will swing things back eventually after we had enough of this infeminate style of play. Yeah, well, I, I think to your point, um, the consumer will likely have the final say. And I know that, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, take football, for example, third and three was a running down. You didn't have teams throwing 35, 40, 50 times. Uh, thinking about John Riggins, it wasn't anything for him to run it like what twenty five, thirty times in a game. You know the um, the goal. Well, if you're going to be successful, you know you had to be able to run the ball. You had to be able to stop the run. You had to minimize turnovers, create turnovers, and at the end of the day, you know manage the game better than the other team. That may not be super exciting to watch uh, from a fan's perspective. But I think true fans enjoy that sort of thing. I'd rather see a game that ends 17-14 than a game that ends 51-48. I I just do. I I think when there's an element of struggle uh, between the two teams, I think that's uh, more appealing, at least for me to watch, than to just see up and down, up and down, up and down, where there's no defense, nobody's stopping anybody. It's basically, okay, whoever has the last possession wins and that kind of thing. So um, I think today's game doesn't lend to a lot of that. And some of it, I'm sure, has to do with with rule changes, but that's just the way you know the game is now. Third and two teams are throwing the ball. And that's just so foreign to me as far as uh, when I played and, and, you know, as far as when I watched as a kid. So it's 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 a lot different. But I think still at the end of the day, at some level, 
you still have to impose your will physically uh, against the other team. Successful teams in the NFL, uh, when it gets right down to it, uh, they're able to sustain six, seven, eight-minute uh, drives and just able to run, 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 and basically just pound the other team in, into submission. Teams that can do that effectively, they're the ones that are going to still win games more times than not. So I think there's still a place for it, uh, even in today's league. But unfortunately, I don't think you see as much of it as you used to. You bring up an interesting point. I was going to go down the Woody Hayes, Ohio State aspect, but I'm going to kind of jettison that for a little bit and talk about the Canadian Football League of all things. And I remember this because being in Maryland at the time, Baltimore got a Canadian football team. And if I, this is back in the 90s, I believe, and this is just off the top, top of my head, I believe they won a Grey Cup, which is their equivalent of the Lombardi Trophy Super Bowl. And in the Canadian Football League, if you guys don't know, you only get three downs to get your 10 yards, I believe. And so no one, no one, ever, hardly ever, ran the ball in the Canadian League. That's where we had Doug Flutie was there, I believe. I think I was in, through all, for all those yards, and I think Warren Moon was there for a while. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of passing yards were done. It even had a, a bigger end zone, so there's more room in the red zone, so just no reason not to pass. But for some reason, Baltimore just ran the ball. I think they went back-to-back championships, and they ran, like, records up. And they just did what you said, Greg. No one was built for the CFL that, that, that year to deal with a run first team. So they were running for six yards of carry. <laughs> I mean, down the field and no one could stop it. So I'm going to look that up again, make sure I got my facts straight, but I'm pretty sure that was, that was true. Do you remember that happening um, in, uh, in the, in the CFL? And if you don't, I'm sure you can appreciate the fact of that actually working for that kind of a league. I do remember Baltimore having a CFL team. I thought the notion was odd, but it sounds like it worked out uh, fairly well for Baltimore. The other thing too, that a strong physical running game does, it demoralizes the defense after a while. They know it's coming and they still can't stop it. I mean, at some point, um, it's a battle of wills. It's like, okay, does that linebacker want to continually step up full speed and run head on uh, with a six foot two, 230 pound running back or fullback or whatever it is. After a while, I mean, your want to kind of goes away a little bit. And, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, can't be dismissed as far as what it does to the other team's psyche when you just pound on them, pound on them, pound on them, pound on them, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. So I still think it's, it's very effective. And even in games today, when the games get late and a team has to basically play out the clock to win the game, you still see it where teams will run and, you know, maybe the other team can't stop them and they, you know, ice the game that way. But I'd like to see a lot more of it, but not sure if we'll go back to, uh, the way the game was played in the 60s and 70s. I think the league wants as many eyeballs on these games as possible. And I think to the league, 
it's more entertainment than competition. They want people to be entertained and they probably look at it like, well, if these games are ending nine to nothing or 10 to three and it's, it's a defensive struggle, uh, that's not entertaining. I think they look at scoring, uh, being the equivalent to, uh, you know, entertainment. I just don't see it that way, but, but yeah, it's, it's refreshing to see teams that still play that way and teams that can be effective and win that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. In fact, I'm, I'm looking up now the Baltimore Stallions, who they were, it was a 95 season, 94 season, 95 season. Uh, they went to the great cup in 94. They lost in the finals 17 to 10 against uh, looks like the BC Lions. They were actually up in that game, ended up losing. They went back the following year at 95 and went up against a high-potent Doug Flutie-led team and beat them in the ground. Um, they, I'm reading here, it says uh, Tracy Ham was a quarterback, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Drummond and Mike Pringle were the running backs, the, uh, the most potent backfield in the CFL history, uh, rushed for 1,700 yards. <laughs> I mean, um, and uh, they ended up beating the... Doug Flutie team, uh, they look like they'd be in 37 to 20. And they had a pounding defense. This is a team, again, we only have two downs, essentially, to get a first down because you third down is basically the punting down. And uh, they dominated. They ended the year on a 16-game winning streak. And so, to me, that just epitomizes what, you know, it needs for football because at the end of the day, it's physics, right? Like you said, imposing someone's will. And, and I'll go back to Woody Hayes, where he said, basically, when you pass the ball, uh, only three things can happen and two of them are bad. So, so that's why I like the fact that we're, ha- we're doing this show to kind of reminisce on some of these things and talk about sports the way we want it to be. It's not just going to be football, but it's going to be a big part of it. I love football. We're going to talk about boxing. We're going to talk about the Olympics. We're going to talk about baseball, analytics, and all kind of cool stuff. LeBron James, of course. But um, that's what I'm excited about, Greg. What are you excited about uh, mostly about this show and what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks? Who knows how long we're going to be doing this? <laughs> sure. So before it slips my mind, I think uh, Warren Moon also played in the CFL, and I believe he set a bunch of records up there before uh he came into the NFL with the Houston Oilers. So uh, there were quite a few uh, talented players that played in the CFL, and some of them went on to have success in the NFL. So um, I'm really excited about being able to discuss sports with someone that can discuss it at a level that's beyond, you know, X's and O's and, and the heat of the moment uh, reactions to things that happen in sports on a daily basis, because sometimes what we look at, there's more under the surface to kind of get after and talk about. And that's an aspect of this particular show I'm super excited about because, you know, you hear a lot of analysis uh you know, on a very general level, but, um, you know, being able to kind of peel back the onion, so to speak, and talk about some things that uh, are a little deeper than what you see on TV uh, when you watch these games. So 
And, you know, also sports, you know, have been, excuse me, have been such a big part of my life uh, as an athlete, as a sports parent, uh, as a referee, a coach, uh, a fan. So um, it's been a big part of my life and and who I am as a person. I think sports uh, has helped uh, shape my character and work ethic. Uh, I couldn't imagine uh, a life without sports. I mean, it's just been such a big part of of my life and and my family's uh, lives as well. So, yeah, just so many different things that we can talk about. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be things that right now we're not even think of thinking of that we'll wind up talking about. So the unknown is kind of ex- ex- exciting as well. So, yeah, just uh, very uh, much looking forward to this. And hopefully the folks uh, that are listening to us uh, will enjoy our banter back and forth. So. Me too. Um, in fact, you know what, Greg, uh, I'll say this real quickly. I, I told you this before is that I don't have much of an outlet anymore with sports. You and I did fantasy football for many, many years, and you can you can brag about how many championships you won over me. I won three. I think you won six. Uh, how many did you win? I won five, and I recently won uh, a Yahoo fantasy football championship a few weeks ago, so six total. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, and, and when, I ran this, when I ran this, we gave out these nice trophies, too. I'll show you. I'll show you mine, and his looks just like it. He just has more of them than me do. I do. I think actually you beat me in one of the finals. I believe I can't remember when it was. I did. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. Uh, it was a few years ago, but yeah, I did beat you in one of the uh, championship games. So, yeah. um, and and fantasy that that's another thing that helps to make sports fun, and it and it you know encourages people to be involved whether it's just watching the games or at least following that particular sport so I think fantasy has been a shot in the arm to a lot of these sports because you know so I'm sure they're just maybe casual fans or maybe not fans at all that care about these sports because of fantasy or just whatever it is and you know to me that's that's a good thing so um and I, I think that's a curious thing too, where, you know, some sports, you have your casual fan uh, that will watch from time to time, but they're still interested. And, you know, you can't say that about everything. Um, you you either have your hardcore fans or, or no fans at all. So uh, I think that's another aspect of sports that uh, that's pretty cool. You, you have your hardcore fans and you also have casual fans and, and I think they're just as vital. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's going to be great. So, yeah, I just want to uh, talk to you about a little bit about you mentioned Warren Moon. I just pulled some information up about him. I right here on the Wikipedia says that his success um, during the CFL seasons, he played in uh, six, five of them ended in championships. Um, he won uh, two Great Cup MVPs. And um, at the time of at the time of his retirement, Moon held several all-time professional gridiron football passing records, and all the relatively unsuccessful in, in the NFL postseason, only because he played 
Well, he lost that, that he actually was the one who lost to the Bills in ninety two or ninety one actually, when they came from behind. Um they were up by like, I don't know how many they were about thirty points a half, something like that. I think it was like thirty five to three. I watched that game. It was just amazing yeah. uh to watch the Bills come back from that deficit. So but yeah, he was a great he had great arm strength and he was just and back then I'm not gonna you know me, Greg. I don't bring up race at all, but um, I have to hear only because we're talking about him being you know, a black quarterback. He was not a dual threat guy, right? And neither was Doug Williams. These guys were all pocket passers, stay the last minute, take the hit. Um, so no, and so yeah. So but he was a prototype, and he had a tremendous arm. And he, he had, and I think he's also, wasn't he also, well, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about McNair. McNair was different at all corner state. He broke all those records there, but and he, he wasn't much of a runner as much. He could throw the ball too, but um, we'll get into that too. But in terms of the the, the, the whole passing versus uh, dual threat versus all of that. But um, so I'm excited about the same things you mentioned too, Greg, in terms of that. I'm excited really about the fact that we're going to be, be able to expose a lot of the wokeness. You know, this is still part of the conservative take. We're not going to talk a lot of politics, but the culture of it is going to be on my heart mostly because of what I see and how the game has changed, not just football, but just about every single sport is changing in some sort of way. And it's making it almost not fun to watch. So um, that's what I'm excited about. And what I would also say is I have a hope that this will actually grow to the point where people could actually have the kind of discussions where they can say, you know what, those guys, those crazy guys on that podcast made a good point. And that hope, that whole narrative and thing gets to a uh, snowball where people are actually talking about it and becomes more of a, a consciousness as to why the game isn't as good as it sh- could be, even though they're throwing up big numbers. Like right now, I just saw a stat in NBA. Uh, they've had like eight or nine 60 point, um, performances um, in the past, what, five years, something like that. Whereas when you had Jordan and Bird and Magic and Kobe, those guys did it, but it wasn't at the rate that we're doing it now. And But just because they're scoring more points, does it make the game better? I don't think so. So I'm excited about that. What are your thoughts about anything I said there? Sure. So to go back to what you were talking about with Warren Moon, I remember – when he played for the University of Washington. Fantastic quarterback, uh, great arm. And unfortunately, back then, I think he graduated from Washington like in, I don't know, 77 or somewhere in there. There were still doubts about whether or not a black player could play quarterback in the NFL. It's sad to say, but it was true. And I think that may have been part of the reason why he went to Canada first, because uh, NFL insiders weren't convinced uh, he could play quarterback at that level. And I'm glad to say he proved them wrong. Um, as as far as uh, these scoring outbursts in the NBA, um, I think Luca scored. Oh, what did he score the other night? Seventy. I think it was over. Was it? 73 or something like that? Something like that, yeah, over, over 70. And Embiid, I think, scored 70, and you've got a few other guys that have scored 60 and above. 
I'm not knocking their talent. These guys are super talented. I think that speaks a lot to the rules where, you know, you can't hand check guys. You can't, you know, as a defensive player, your hands are kind of tied as to what you can do against, um, you know, offensive players. And I think as you watch these games, and I just started, you know, kind of watching the NBA again. And, you know, to me, it's just hard to watch, um, you know, chucking up a lot of threes and, you know, running up and down the floor. Not a lot of defense getting played. So I think just the way the game is officiated and played today, I just think it's easier to score that many points if you are a skilled and talented player. Uh, you certainly wouldn't have seen all of these different guys scoring that many points uh, in the 90s uh, during Jordan's era. But, you know, uh, that's that's the way the game is now because, and I can remember back in the 90s, and David Stern was the commissioner back then, the league yep. basically made a conscious decision to um, – tweak the rules to where it would make it easier for the offense to score points. Uh, you can't steer a guy uh, in a particular direction, you know, hand checking and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, no more hard fouls when a guy takes the ball to the basket. I'm not knocking that rule. I know it's, it's there to protect the guys. Again, I don't want to see anybody uh, get hurt, but you know, you can hand check, you could arm bar, you could, there are things you could do. Uh, to slow down the the progress of the offensive player that you can't do anymore. Um, there's defensive three seconds, so you can't, you know, uh, pack the lane and 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 other rules that uh, just you know make it so much easier for guys to score. So um, I think that's a conscious decision by the NBA because they feel like, well, you know, when when games are you know, 130 to 125 instead of 98, 95, more people want to watch that. But I mean, I would argue that uh, during the time when the Bulls three-peated twice, everybody wanted to watch the Bulls. I mean, my mom, who is not a basketball fan at all, she'd watch when the Bulls were on. When are the Bulls coming on? Is Jordan on? What did he do last night? You know, and I, I think she was typical of, you know, maybe a casual 100%. fan that I was even Chicago you know, Bulls fan still. Know. They were excited when the Bulls came on or when the Bulls came to town. So, um, and and those games were like, you know, ninety eight, ninety five, or one hundred to ninety, or whatever. And those were to me very exciting because, again, going back to what I said at the top. People wanted to see that competitive struggle where every basket counted and, you know, every turnover counted. And if you look back at those uh, games, you didn't see teams chucking up, you know, 30 and 40 three-point shots. They shot them, but, um, you know, much more selectively. It wasn't the core part of their offense. They were still uh, running their offense, you know, uh, inside out and that sort of thing. So um, those types of things, 
that are just so different uh, with sports now as opposed to then or, you know, during whenever uh, the glory era was for any particular sport. Uh, that in itself uh, sparks interesting debate. So looking forward to all of those things. Well, yeah, I have to agree with you, Greg. Um, we have a lot to talk about. And just so the audience knows a little bit about me, my mentality, I come from uh, the D.C. area in the 80s and 90s. And I went to John Thompson basketball camp two years in a row. Got a chance to talk to him, ask him questions about his time at the Celtics and stuff like that. And got a chance to meet people like Craig Shelton and Sleepy Floyd and Patrick Ewan. Literally met these guys when they were like first year. Well, I think Sleepy Floyd was coming out, but at the time Ewan was a, was a freshman coming in. I got to see him scrimmage. Here I am, this you know 13-year-old kid watching this giant of a player, future Hall of Famer, and just, just amazing to me and to see him. And then they won the championship, not but two years after that. And then um, to actually have instilled in me the work ethic of a John Thompson. And I'm telling you guys, I, Greg, we got to do a, a story just on the Georgetown Hoyas because I can tell you what it was like to be in a room with John Thompson when you were had to be disciplined because you didn't do something based on his rules. And this is in 83, 82, somewhere in there. And I'm telling you guys, he would have been canceled. He would have been kicked out because but nothing bad happened, but they were not messing around when it came to discipline. And I'll, I'll save that for, for a later story. But yeah, I think you find it very interesting with that. But that's my that's my mentality. I'm a Redskins fan. And like you mentioned, you mentioned John Riggins. We could talk about John Riggins, too. We should probably do a show on him, too. Heck, we can do a show on Frank, uh, Larry Zonka. We could do one on Lynn Swan. We could pick a player. It would just so much, Greg, to talk about that would actually contrast so much with what we see today. And I think for younger generation people who hear this may have no idea. These stories are long gone. And so I know you and I are on the same age and we have the same experiences, the same worldview and perspective. And I think it'd be really enjoyable to go down memory lane, but at the same, at the same time, bring in the focus as to where we are today and how different it is. Not necessarily better. I, I know there's a generational thing there. I would say it's probably better, but at least contrast it and say, what is good and what isn't good and what we can maybe strive for down the road. So Greg, I'll give you the last word on this um, in terms of our likes and desires and hopes and uh, fears in some ways doing this podcast, but I'll let you close this out, Greg, and let us know um, uh, what you think about uh, what's going forward and uh, anything else you want to say. Sure. So, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, I think the other thing that, I'll be interested to see is, of course, when you talk about things uh, from a particular perspective and you give your opinion on certain things, not everybody's going to agree. And I think um, that's healthy. I think that's a way uh, we can all learn and grow is to listen to, you know, opposing viewpoints, um, looking at things in a way that maybe you know we had not thought of before so hopefully it'll spark that kind of debate debate amongst our listeners you know there may be some things that we talk about where our viewpoint is something that not everybody 
may agree with, and that's perfectly okay. Again, I think that's an opportunity uh, to learn because quite frankly, um, you know, a lot of our listeners may be a lot younger. They may have no idea uh, about how the game was played back in the 60s and 70s and that sort of thing. So they may only have a perspective from, you know, nowish. So I think this is a good opportunity to potentially learn some things from from both sides uh, of the conversation. You know, as I think as older guys, you know, we have uh, an idea as to how we feel like things ought to be in sports. But, you know, to hear a perspective from maybe a younger person that says, well, hey, I understand what you're saying, but you've got to look at it from our point of view. You know, it's 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 different. And and here's how and here's how, you know, the way it is now, it's not going to go back to the way it was likely because this is how it is. And 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 let me explain why. So uh, that will be interesting as well. So I think this show has a ton of potential. I think there are a lot of things we can touch on uh, that will be uh, not only entertaining, but insightful. So. Uh, those are the types of things I'm looking forward to. And again, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And again, I'm just, this is awesome. And I'm really looking forward to get going. Me too. Me too. And uh, just to do a little bit of um, uh, housekeeping, I guess, we can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube with the video version. So the video version will be on YouTube only. The audio versions will be on Spotify, Apple, and Google. And if you go to podcast.theconservative take, you can see it there on the screen. You can check it out there and that's a centralized link there and you can access us there as well. And so if you guys are also members of the conservative take YouTube member, you have early access to this as well. We're working through this, but that's the kind of the, the format for now. And Greg, thank you so much. This is the first episode and we're looking forward to doing many, many, many more and hopefully making an impact and having fun while we're doing it. So with that, guys, thank you so much for this episode of the Old Glory Games podcast. My name is Kyle and this is uh, speaking on behalf of Greg and you want to say goodbye, Greg, and and we can uh, call this bad boy a wrap. All right. Thanks again. You all take care. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.